Hi everyone, welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Karen Boswell, filmmaker, ethnomusicologist and visual anthropologist. We are curious to know how Karen deals with the complex question of representation of the individual and communities whose lives her film bring to a two-dimensional form. How does she approach her own positionality and what place does theory take in her visual work? Karen reflects on the way she engages the communities she works with and on her approach to co-create and enable groups to have a direct voice. How to distinguish between authorship and facilitation? At the end, we ask Karen to give advice to those who might be considering visual anthropology as a career path and to tell our listeners about her own success drivers that accompanied her throughout her interesting journey. We hope you enjoy it. Hi friends, we are here today with Karen Bossel, um, documentary filmmaker. Hi Karen. Hi there, lovely to be invited. Karen, I'm really extremely happy to, to bring your perspective to our, our audience. As I was mentioning earlier, we've, we've never had a documentary filmmaker slash visual anthropologist speak to, to their experience in that world. So, um, yeah, I'm very uh, curious and excited to welcome you here. Um, and I want to start with, uh, you know, a question that we normally ask all of our speakers. Tell us a little bit how you've come to do what you are doing right now. How how was your path to, to where you ended up? Well, this could be a very long story. It would take us the whole hour, but I'll try and be very succinct. I uh, actually have been looking back quite a lot on my journey recently, and I realized that the very first work I did as an adult was what you could still already call ethnographic, based on ethnographic research. I was actually a visual artist, and I used to make installations and sculptures and, and later music compositions, all based on ethnographic research, in fact. And then I became a documentary filmmaker. Um, and as a part of that, in 1990, I moved to Mozambique, uh, where I stayed until 2007. And uh, in those years, I developed my documentary filmmaking and... Uh, also became a journalist and a sound designer, later a producer, director. Uh, none of that period of time did I consider myself an anthropologist, although I did work with anthropologists and I, I uh, was always concerned about the representation of the other. Um, and then when I returned to the UK in 2007, Somebody from the anthropology department at the University of Kent saw my work and invited me to teach on their master's program. And uh, that was a big crash course in the difference between my work as a documentary filmmaker and um, and the academic environment of mm. the anthropologists looking into what what's called visual anthropology. So I think there's a very clear line between the two. Um, but uh, my my journey into anthropology is definitely from 
from the creative arts and from documentary filmmaking. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? Because I think I uh, that's why how I personally came across your work in a in a in a in an ethnography film festival in uh, I think it was in Bristol uh, two years back, where where um, it was the first time I engaged personally with the concept of visual anthropology via documentary filmmaking, and I ended up being fascinated with this kind of like world of representation through film. And I know anthropologists have very kind of specific uh, positions on what it means to represent uh, a particular group of people through the work that you do. Um, and, and we use normally in as more classical anthropological concepts, the text and the written word to represent. And I'm very curious how, how one, how, how you look at the representation. Is representation something that you, that, that, that drives you in, in the work that you do? And if so, how would you see the act of representing something through through uh, a community or a person through the stories that you you enable? Yeah, this is I think the the biggest question that we all of us who who like to work with the moving image and mm. uh, when we carry cameras and audio recorders around with us, I, I think that is all that's the big question all all the time is how how can we somehow translate that full sensual experience of being somewhere uh, by adding the element of moving image and sound to the way that we share that world with others. So obviously when you're working in text, uh, you can spend a year with a community, develop a relationship with them uh, and uh, and then spend some time rethinking that through and, and work on how you translate that into words. Whereas when you have a camera with you, it is that actual moment that you're capturing. It's the moment that you're with those people with that camera pointing wherever you choose to point it and recording whatever audio you choose to record. So I think the whole process all the time is um, uh, firstly whether or not that person in front of the camera is is being true to themselves. So I think a lot of my work, I, I actually spend quite a lot of time with the people without the camera on, without even the camera out of the bag, so that I'm comfortable with the world that it is I, I've chosen to represent in the audiovisual medium. And that could, sometimes that can be months or, I mean, or even years if it's with people that I've already got a relationship with. And then the process of, of, that moment of taking out the camera uh, is is a sometimes it's a one where where it creates a distance uh, between yourself and the people that you're representing, and sometimes it actually creates a a very creative environment where they engage themselves in 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 their own representation. So I suppose in some ways that is exactly what I find so fascinating about working with the visual medium or the audiovisual medium because you're actually capturing moments in time uh, and I, f I sort of feel like you're you're you you have a, a more true way to take the essence of that person into another context than than the written word however i have to say that it's not uncommon that i wish i'd chosen the written word as my vehicle because the the, the challenges of working with with the uh, audiovisual medium firstly there's all the technical aspect that you have to have 
in the back of your mind as well all the time. Did you remember to charge the batteries? Have you got the uh, the right microphone or the right level setting? And the number of people I know when they start out, they've had a fantastic encounter with someone and then they come back and they can hardly hear it or, or the light was reflecting on the person's glasses and the person no longer looks like it felt they did on at the time so you have to have running in the background all the time that process of uh the technology that's helping you with your job and then also you have to make sure that the relationship that you have with the people in front of you are is as close to it as it would have been had there not been a camera so there's a lot of techniques of of helping the person or the people around you forget that the camera's there essentially, or decide to work with the fact that that they that the camera is there and and use it as a vehicle to communicate with others through the camera. Yeah, from from, from that way, it's a bit you know easier. Where I I, I imagine I remember from my days in in long field works. Where you are there with, uh, you also have to take notes, right? And so then you're the act of just taking out a notebook and start writing. Um, that in itself can be for the person that you're engaging with, uh, uh, quite a big disruptor of reality and, and uh, kind of moving you into the context of I'm being observed, I'm being captured, I'm being watched. But I, 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 I do think that with audiovisual, that, that kind of transition is, it's much more abrupt now, like, um, But um, what I find also quite interesting is, um, and kind of it leads me uh, back to my uh, next to my next question is, um, normally when when you're working with a vi with a writing word as a as a classically trained anthropologist, the output of that is, uh, let's say, a text, right, uh, an academic text that is written in a certain way, right, um, that could create an additional layer of distance when you choose to bring back that text for comment to the people that uh, informed the analysis. So I'm not sure if, if that is a practice that, that all anthropologists do, but I, I do remember myself um, writing something like an article and then thinking I would love to, before publishing this, to go back to the people that informed this point of view and ask for their opinion and their thoughts. And coming back, I saw that there was a barrier just from the language that I used in, in capturing that, right? It's not a language that they're used to. It's not a language that is part of their way of looking at the world. So that really reduces their agency to comment on how their reality was captured. I would imagine with the audiovisual, the barriers are different. Um, and, and how would you comment on that? Yes, that's, uh, uh, again, a, uh, a question that uh, I think about on a daily basis when I'm working uh both actually at the point of filming and at the point of editing and then deciding how and where to 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 use what has what 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 we've made i mean as as i've been going on over the years i've become more and more committed to that collaborative process where mm. where the the representation of the person in front of the camera is is one where they they are they do have agency from the beginning So very often I start off with that whole experience of seeing what it's like to look back at yourself when you've been filmed and to listen to your voice, to play around with the camera where, where, where the, the person that, that, that I'm with mm. can choose whether or not they also take the camera themselves or they, they ask me when they want to film things or they 
pointed at themselves and and there I I really loved it when I discovered the the cameras where you can actually flip the screen so you're not looking at the screen <laughs> the the people are while you're filming mm. and um and and playing with ideas of imagining so when you're talking looking at me to my eyes then you're looking at me but if you look into that lens you're actually looking at and talking to whoever ultimately Mm. these this so that process is discussed right at the beginning in fact i i spent a lot of my time in working in mozambique with with people who don't speak my mother tongue or my second language portuguese but speak a another african language so uh often that process is even more important because certainly they wouldn't engage with what i would have written um and uh and so then the process is is now t- with the technology much easier because you can look back at the end of the day or often what i do is at the end of just a little bit i set up community screenings where because you can now get little battery operated projectors that you can project the material from the laptop onto a wall somewhere and get some speakers and so people can really engage in in the way that this three-dimensional world of theirs is translated to a two-dimensional mm. world that other people can see and in my experience they get very excited by it I, I've I found it fascinating once I get the translations of conversations that happen um, around the activity where they're saying wow this could go anywhere people could see this anywhere we we we, we can be heard you know and they really get excited about this idea of, of, of visibility um uh, and I suppose were the word agency to be part of their vocabulary, I suppose it would be part of that as well, that, that, that what, what, what they would like people to know about them. Um, they do, in my experience, the rural Mozambicans who I've worked with a lot definitely feel misunderstood. So it's, uh, it, it, it's important mm. for them. And, and I'm, now I'm working particularly with rural and urban, but we, largely with women who, again, are quite used to people speaking on their behalf. So I think they find this whole procedure of direct communication as opposed to going through someone or they are going through someone. I, especially at the point where I start editing, I, I'm very aware that I'm making choices. And, mm. and so I normally try and do that editing while I'm, while I'm there as well. So I can take the edits back. Well, yeah, it seems like a very organic way of, 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 of kind of finding the story, the narrative, right? Yes, it's, uh, each process reveals more. Uh, in fact, my, the, the next phase that I went to was, was, um, observing how if one group have some of the basic skills of reflecting on themselves, how they then work with this technology to, to then record mm others uh and and so then there's there's layers and layers and layers of revelation of 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 uh self-image and self-understanding and analyzing our own working relationship yeah what does that say about your own positionality in this process of uh building the narrative like because it feels like it's you're, you're not the central point where narrative or knowledge is produced it's not through you, no, you're not the instrument. Um, and again, I'm coming back to like the written text and how, how I've approached initially anthropology. 
um, as a way of, you know, you're there in the world uh, uh, trying to understand something from, let's say, a possession of quote-unquote objectivity. And, and you are that instrument uh, that filters the subjective process and, and finds the theory or, or the and, and, and that is also quite the criticism towards these approaches of blending, co-creating, sensi- sensing what is with the group. But on the other hand, if you are the instrument that also invites easily exoticism, that also invites easily your own subjectivity to influence the way the uh, the knowledge is created. So what I, what I sense uh, from, from the way you're approaching this is that you're moving towards this kind of your role is not the one that needs to find the story, but is more of an enabler of the, of, of the others to bring it to life. But maybe I'm, 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 I'm uh, um, making the wrong assumption. So I wanted to put it more as a question. <laughs> How do you look at your own positionality in this? Yeah, it's a fascinating question, uh, and one again that I think I've I've explored th- each one of the pieces of research or films that I've made takes me uh, further down this journey. So it, I, I do think there is a a, a role for a outsider perspective or for 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 mm. a positional. A role where you have been entrusted with the representation of others where where they don't want to actually take on that responsibility and 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 then it, it's about developing a relationship of trust and uh, and then assuming the authorship and assuming the 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 role of the as you say quote unquote uh, objective observer um and and I I think there's a, a lot of merit in those sort of assumed authored pieces where you we, where your your position as an outsider is is clear. Uh, however, I I I have found it challenging when that that line is blurred, and it seems like you're you're being objective and you're presenting a truth when in fact uh, it's obviously from your own ultimately still from your own perspective and I think that's what started me off on this journey of, of, of working out with the new access to technology what what can be done to to not have a continuation of, of this discipline which started in at a time when cameras and the technology was so expensive and difficult to access that that the people holding on to this technology were the ones with the power to to disseminate the knowledge from their own perspective without necessarily there being space for 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 all people to share their own perspectives if if mm. if, it, if we had the everybody had access to sharing their own perspective of the world then it, then there's more validity i think of deciding that you're going to present your own personal view but I think in my my experience of working in Mozambique, realizing that a lot of the images and ideas presented are from outsiders, I I've I found it much more important to engage in finding ways that those authentic voices can come through. Um, however, as as I said at the beginning of this conversation, my starting point in this world is as an artist. So I, I also like I like that creative process of putting myself 
in into the work. So now I, what I do is I do a combination. So I decide, okay, this is my authored piece, and now I'm surrendering my authorship, and I'm a facilitator, and yeah. I, I I I make it clear for myself which of those two things I'm doing and when. Yeah, I, I really like, you know, bringing it back to what exactly is happening in that process, right? What exactly is created there? I I remember I, I watched this documentary recently on Curiosity Stream. I, I, I've recently discovered it, but I'm sure maybe it's not something new to you. It's a platform for documentaries, but that really focuses a lot on behavior and a science. My partner is a neuroscientist, so we have very interesting debates on what is hard science, what is soft science. But there was this interesting documentary that that explored particularly the visual arts in contrast to um, the hard science of let's say neuroscience or, or biological evolutionarism and this particular scientist that was talk, talking about the visual arts is a as a more philosophical way of of building knowledge as a collective in the process of building something you are creating the new the knowledge whereas if you look at the hard sciences they they try to objectify, they try to look for proof, they try to create cognitive uh, relationships to discover something that is, whereas in the visual arts or in, in, in this space, what is, is it, is it cannot even be born because it's born in the process of going through this together more phen- phenomenologically. Mm. Um, so th- it was very interesting, these two contracts, right? Because it, it also speaks to to what exactly are you producing when you are given that responsibility as a storyteller, but you are also given the, I would imagine, um, trust and openness into their community. And there is also a responsibility on the group to create something at the end together, right? Yes, it's uh, in terms of the actual process, I suppose it's why I keep doing it, that, that the process is so... Is, is so rich and I, I, I think what, what drives me, uh, in that process, and yes, you're absolutely right, it's a complete, uh, uh, antithesis in some ways of the hard science of, uh, is the stories we tell, our image of ourselves, uh, through stories and through narrative. So I, I think one of the, one of the skills I think I have that I've always used in, in my work is drawing a, a sort of putting a mirror up to the person in front of me mm. or the people in front of me so that they then through the act of bringing their life story or their situation or their reflection on something out into the open through me and to a camera mm. um they then have moments of their own realization of the importance of these stories and the importance of of these perspectives which yeah. without that outsider, I don't know, not, it could be an insider. I think I do the same with my husband. You know, when I'm asking questions, I, I, the way I probe and the way I, I join things up synthesizes what we could call the essence of, of someone's being, I suppose. Someone, the, the way people are, I think they really express through their stories. So I, I, I think yeah. that that's that's so it's completely not scientific, but I think it is yeah. a, another way that we can look at truth. I think so too, because that's exactly what that um, what that scientist was telling. They were saying, you know, the act of becoming, you can uh, deconstruct it through genes. You can say, you know, this is how we evol- evolve, um, and it's very. Um, 
um, um, category, category standardized and it's very, you know, it doesn't allow for maybe wonder or, or miracles or whatever you call the unexpected. Uh, but you can also look at becoming as something that has potential in each and every moment. We are becoming through our stories. By telling stories, we change. And by changing, we're telling stories. And this happens continuously. So kind of like capturing this, this process of evolution through sense-making with each other and by each other. Uh, for me, this is what I find fascinating in the way you personally choose to tell stories. And, and links me to the next question. Um, I, I, I have a hard time posing this because I don't want it to sound like congratulatory or a little bit like... Um, but um, I'm, I'm going to put it. I know it's not the right way, but I, I know you're, you, ha, you are quite a, um, a celebrated documentarist and filmmaker. Your stories do resonate with people. They, they are presented at festivals and receive awards. And, uh, and I think more than that, for me, that's, that's kind of like a, maybe a proof of uh, people connecting on a level that is quite authentic to what they see from your work. So uh, my question links to that, like, what is that connection? What can have you thought about? Like, what draws people to the way you tell stories? What is it that makes that special? Yes, I have thought about it. And um, I, I, I think back, I know that through my life before ever picking up a camera uh, or a microphone, I was I had a curiosity more a more a deeper curiosity about those around me than most of the people I witnessed engaging with the world. So I think, you know, one one quality that makes these films the way they are is this constant curiosity and and obviously a, a, a love of the way different people see the world in different ways. So I think wherever I've been, I've I've developed skills in talking to people where I walk away with fascinating stories. I've done that since I was smaller. Um, so I, when I look at my body of work, I notice that they are all full of very rich stories and they're often very well told by the people in front of the cameras because I I love them so much mm. <laughs> that I've I've often heard the story already before I bought before you record it, yeah, yeah, and so I know what to draw out and I know how to how how to find that that universal in in the specific. I think that's one of the things that that storytelling does. Um, however, I think it, there's also an an interesting uh, aspect of a film as a medium or moving image as a medium, which is that in addition to the subject matter and the, and the, the character that you're representing, which is, which is what you would capture from text, the way that you work with moving image, with sound, with rhythm, with pace, with music, um, those, those, and juxtaposition, the way you pull your, uh, viewer through that that story or that that person's life or that person's confrontation with some challenge in their life uh, I think it's an artistic it's very artistic process and 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 I think that uh, uh, the, the, that that's that's the thing that resonates with the viewer as well 
Yeah, and and now I, I'd love to bring it back to scholarship and particularly anthropology. And it's not for nothing that I, I kind of um, also talk about hard science versus behavioral science and anthropology. I think what 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 has been you know particularly from the hard science perspective uh, a critique towards anthropology is this kind of connection of anthropology to the world of art, to the world of storytelling, to this curiosity that you're talking about and 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 the uh, exploration of that curiosity outside of lab settings that sets kind of very structured uh, standardization uh, methods. And I, I would say for me in that way is where anthropology gets very close and particularly visual anthropology to something that has made it both uh, appreciated, but also contested by the hard science. And I, I feel myself as an anthropologist that I have a bit of an imposter syndrome uh, when I talk to my um, uh, to my colleagues and friends that work in the hard sciences about not only my my love of anthropology, but particularly my love of visual anthropology. <laughs> because that means, you know, this this means to a certain extent that I'm moving I'm moving further away for legitimizing this as a science. So I wanted, you know, maybe there are others, uh, some other of our listeners that are anthropologists or students or graduates of anthropology that are fascinated and in love with arts and visual anthropology methods. So I, I wanted for them and also for myself, uh, if you can speak a bit to that. Um, um, yes, of course, I'll have a go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, I mean, the, the first, I suppose, this imposter syndrome you're talking about, mm. I, I've also felt, especially because I came to the world of academia late in my professional career. So for a long time, I was trying to understand what is the difference between anthropology and the Africa, the filmmaking that I was involved in in Mozambique, which was we we didn't consider itself as, as anthropology and so later I had to sort of embed theory onto a, a very collaborative process of representation audiovisual mm. representation that we didn't define within the discourse of the discipline of anthropology um, so yes I suppose I'm still suffering from imposter syndrome however having engaged now with the academic world for the last 15 years or so um I do know that there is something very undisputable and factual when you actually hear the person speaking who has some knowledge to share with you uh, through the technology of, of a camera and a microphone. So, I mean, if you're thinking about hard science, if, if anybody wants to know uh, what does the influence of uh, a spiritual belief have on your relationship to medicine, you know, which you could translate quite easily into questions, academic questions of hard science. What, what better than to go and spend some time with people who are working with medicine from the basis of a spiritual belief and give them the space to explore that with, with people who are interested in that knowledge through the camera. So, I mean, this again is not necessarily answering your question about the, the importance of, of theory, but it certainly is a, uh, an argument to reaffirm the value of this process. Um, however, I think that one thing that I've understood by engaging closer with, with the theoretical discussions is the vocabulary that we use um, helps. Mm. Um, so in some ways, 
the sign the, the 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 attempt to bridge the the gap between hard science and social science uh, i don't think it's it's within my realms of uh, i i i i can't begin to do that but i i do know that from from understanding questions such as the ones that you're raising about authenticity and representation and um what is the nature of collaboration and perspective mm. those those things which are discussed a lot within the world of anthropology um are of course also discussed outside of the academic world but m- maybe it's it's uh people struggle with it a little more because they haven't found the the vocabulary for it which which is is useful uh i don't think you'll find as many filmmakers non-fiction filmmakers out there uh working in the idea of representing others who are not constantly questioning the same questions that we ask within the th- the academic world there's obviously less checks for for misrepresentation to happen which i think within within the academic world there's much more rigor to make sure that the ethical boundaries and the and that the, the, there's a lot of rigor to make sure that the the process is mm. reflected upon however i i think i i would i would say that that the theory of of visual anthropology the one of the greater benefits is that it it produces an environment in which those actively involved in it can reflect upon it within a set of common terms through which they can everyone can keep learning from one another and i suppose in that that's way that's why i've ended up my work's ended up being a lot more around the decolonization of knowledge because for as long as that process happens within the former colonial uh institutions then how much knowledge are we you know what what knowledge is more valid and is less valid uh and i think you know there's also this kind of uh rigid structurization or categorization uh process that happens with the written language and i'm sure also in visual methods or visual filmmaking there's also a lot of structure and categorization it's not as 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 free let's say as a process as as you would imagine if you don't know that um craft but i i can speak only from working with words and in in the anthropology space of working with words there's there's this prescriptiveness and this categorization that also passes theory which makes for me the visual space more playful more open um a space where you can you know it's almost as if you know that the best moments that i have of conceptualizing theory have not been moments where i try to rewrite theory but moments where i've put myself in artistic environments where i did not have the expectation to create but because i was in a different playful free environment my mind made these correlations that um so i, I was kind of blocking myself from from going there uh, and assuming that a, a structured and rigid environment would take me there but it didn't so i think there's something at least in myself with with this, there's a certain freedom of playfulness and openness of the visual side of anthropology which makes it easier to approach topics such as decolonization or um yeah uh, topics that that also assume taking our own discipline and deconstructing it in some form you know like different mediums help you maybe approach that uh, differently how oh, i'm making a poor 
<laughs> a, a poor attempt of expressing my thoughts, so apologize for that. <laughs> well, I, it makes me feel better about my uh, floundering with words as well. It's uh, it's quite difficult to grapple with these ideas uh, in speech. Actually, that's another strong argument for the audiovisual medium. You can communicate a lot without words at all through yeah. <laughs> audiovisual yeah. medium. Karen, one, one other question, because I remember also my uh, my time in the university space where I took one course of audiovisual documentary filmmaker. And, you know, the first time I, I held that camera, uh, it was very scary. So uh, for me, at least. So I, I wonder for those of our listeners that are considering to kind of approach the world of audiovisual methods as anthropologists within their own ethnographic fieldworks moments. Would you have any kind of like tips or advice or how do you start? How do you? How do you yeah, try to, to embed yourself more into this world? Well, funnily enough, that does join quite well with our conversation about theory. Yeah, okay. <laughs> In that, actually, I was um, thinking now a lot of the, the world of, of the academic world of visual anthropology, a lot of the analysis is actually turns the analysis on the practitioner. So actually, more and more, but it started right as in the 70s, the moment people worked out the power of the camera mm -hmm. and the the, the 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 tools of capturing moving image and sound, um, the the positionality of the author and the the process is is so complex and so fascinating that lots of the the people working in that field write about their own personal. Uh, perspective and their own personal experience and and actually make films about it. There's a, a lot of people who went into the field to make a film about some other people or some other experience and they came home and they ended up making a film about themselves and their relationship with those people. And I think in, it's quite common because it's the most truthful reflection of, of um, your engagement. So for those starting out, I mean, there are some there are some very interesting uh, texts and films out there by people who have the, the skill with words. I mean, David McDougall's a classic. He's just recently published another one, 2020 publication. Just his power of the use of the spoken word or the written words to to unpick that actual process of looking through the world through a camera, of, of making choices, both at the moment where you're in, in the space with others and the time when you're constructing the narrative in the edit. Um, he's, he's written beautifully about it, but so too have, have uh, a lot of people. A, a, a lot of the core texts are starting to feel a little old-fashioned, uh, and I love the fact that David McDougall started writing in the 70s and just published two months ago another book. So he's he's an interesting person to start with um, in terms of just unpicking that process. Uh, but I, I always uh, say that in actual fact, making a film is a little bit more like playing a musical instrument or being a painter than than we think in that in order to play a nice tune, you have to have worked out how to play a scale and how to, uh, well, how to make it sound nice and how there's technique to it. And uh, the way you develop a technique is through practice. So I think what, what quite a few people 
where they slip up is that they think about it so much, they read about it, they write about it, but they don't actually just see how it feels. You can now do it with your phone every single day, even in lockdown. You can just yeah. pick up your phone and reflect on this three-dimensional world with a, a device that condenses it, flattens it into two dimensions, <laughs> which has a very different... Uh, yeah. And, and and learn the tools of 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 how to work with the light, how to work with sound, how to work with, and how to work with people. If you if you live with anyone, and if you don't live with someone in this COVID world, you might have to find ways to do it at a distance. But there is a way now to just develop those skills. And I think I think practice and practice, preferably before you go into a place where you're with people you don't know. <laughs> so that then it becomes second nature. You've got your muscle memory. You've got your techniques of just making sure that that technology works for you. That's a, such a great advice, uh, Karen. Uh, just go and try it and use yourself as a medium. I, I, I remember maybe that would be a very short last question because I would love to hear your thoughts on this. When I um, when I started this podcast project myself, I was the one doing also all the editing of myself. So um, it was very confronting to me to kind of listen and look at myself in this editing process for the first time, because when you are when I'm reflecting on my own positionality as a researcher through the written world, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing myself. You know, I am thinking about myself and it's very different. It was very different for me to move from that space of thinking about myself objectively to seeing myself and reflecting on what I saw. Um, and that for me was very confronting. So I, I wonder if you uh, if you would have any tips on how to ease into that process and stay away from the self judgment. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I for a long time now people have been asking mm. and recommending that I put more of myself in my films. And uh, always I, I'm actually going through an interesting process now at looking back through. Uh, the material that I shot in my last piece of research and there's uh, there's lots of of moments which were caught by mistake where I'm trying to get out of the shot <laughs> and trying not to be heard and trying to be invisible and um, and I am I'm also much 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 more comfortable encouraging other people to represent themselves than to to actually assume my own my own space and yeah. um so advice to others uh i suppose just recognize that it's it it's it's all constructed you know <laughs> the world that we the world around us and our sense of ourselves and other people's sense of themselves and our our sense of the others it's it's all fluid and uh and it's something that yes our our, I suppose, our self-confidence and our self-belief has a has quite a lot more to do with it than we realise. So, uh, um, trust your voice. I think, especially to the women out there, I think we've spent a lot of time learning to think a lot and maybe not express it so much ourselves because we're not quite so used to being listened to or quite so used to being taken seriously. Um, so I'd say, you know, take a deep breath and realize that what you have to say and, and who you are is valid. Oh, that's beautiful, Karen. 
I um yeah, I would like to end this uh this conversation or this beautiful conversation here because we're all a little bit over our initial time, but I just wanted to thank you and to also share it for our listeners that we've been trying to make this happen now for a year and a half. <laughs> so I'm very very this is also a testament to um you know, uh, also the busy schedules but also uh, also um yeah, hopefully for our listeners, we'll also see uh, the um, why. I think for me, it's it's been really worth it. And uh, thank you so much for 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 being here with us today. Ah, oh, Karina, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure, and I think what you're doing with your podcast is really fascinating. And I congratulate you on your drive. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speaker's work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.